Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here. It's a beautiful spring day out there. And we're glad that you're here to, to worship the Lord on this beautiful day. We welcome each of you. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that God will bless you in a very special way as we worship the Lord together. Let me remind you of, of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill those out so we can have a record of attendance with us. Uh, just provide any information you feel comfortable giving to us, and we would appreciate that. Uh, check the appropriate box on there. And, if you, and especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, uh, please put your email address on there, and it's a great way to keep up with the activities going on here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, just a few things I'd like to call to your, to your attention this morning. Uh, first, you will notice uh, there's a, an announcement in our bulletin uh, titled, Let There Be Light. And uh, we announced this last week. We started this last week. We are going to be replacing our overhead lights here in the gym. And each one of those will cost $130. We're going to be replacing those with um, LED lights, which are more energy efficient. It will save us some energy uh, costs. And uh, a lot of our lights are going out, and so we've got to do that. And so we're asking individuals and families to, uh, to purchase a light. And I'm happy to say that we're almost there. We, we need to purchase 20 lights to replace each of these at $130 each. And uh, we are almost there. And so if you would like to purchase one of these lights, uh, we would certainly appreciate that. Just see Mark Hobson or Sybil Keach and let them know that, and we would appreciate it. As many of you know, this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and we had a, a wonderful service here at Community Baptist Church as we joined with uh, Zion United Church of Christ and the First Christian Church to uh, share that time together. And that officially marked the beginning of the season of Lent. And as you know, uh, during the season of Lent, a number of the churches in town get together and have a Lenten lunch every, win every Wednesday. And so that will be beginning this coming Wednesday. The first Lenten lunch of the season will be at um, First Christian Church, and that will be at 12 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a brief service, about half an hour, and then enjoy lunch together. It's a great time for the, uh, the larger Christian church, uh, Christian family in Henderson to get together and to share this time with one another. So we invite you to be a part of that beginning Wednesday at First Christian Church. Uh, we will be hosting the Lenten lunch here on March the 15th, and so it will be the following Wednesday. And Lana is, uh, is looking for volunteers uh, to help with that and also so for some financial contributions for that. So if you would like to help with that, please see Lana Hopgood. Uh, it's great to share this time together of worship. And so let me invite you now to stand and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord. Thank you. I think Mom has one too. 
remember this whenever we're having stormy weather (laughs) and when other problems happen in our lives. No matter what's going on, God is in control and it can make everything a little bit better and we don't feel alone. Please be seated. forgiving Father, we are so thankful this morning for another opportunity to gather with children to lift your name on high, 
to lift our hearts in gratitude to you. Through Christ, you have regarded our sinful condition and he shed his own blood for our souls. And if it weren't for this reality, where would we be? We would be lost and without any hope. We would be going the way of the whole world, running from you in the opposite direction as fast as we could go. And we confess to you, O God, that that is our nature. That's who we are. Until you came and you breathed the breath of life into us. But when you did, you made us a brand new creatures. Oh yes, we, we still sin, but, but now our direction is different. We are on an entirely new path now. We were straying like sheep, but now we've returned to the shepherd. You have set our feet on a firm ground, and we are steadily growing in your kingdom ways. And your gospel has changed everything from us, for us. Leaving your throne to come to earth as a helpless child changed everything for us. You growing up as a man completely without sin changed everything for us. You enduring a mock trial and being sentenced to death changed everything for us. You being led to the cross like a lamb to the slaughter changed everything for us. You surrendering up your spirit to your Father changed everything for us. And of course, your resurrection changed everything for us, O oh God. And so, Lord, we pray that you would allow this good news to change our lives, to change our families, our work, our church. And this is the good news, that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Amen. Amen.
Am I on? Can everybody hear? May not be a blessing. Thank you guys for showing up. You know, I get a chance every once in a while to uh, kind of impart 62 years worth of wisdom to you guys. Good luck. I had in my lifetime of most wonderful Sunday school teacher that everything that she ever taught me, I just hang on to. It shows up. <laughs> Excuse me here. Uh, she told me in a long roundabout way, and so I hope I don't lose you, about God's love. She knew how to explain stuff to me. Adam, you guys know Adam. You remember Adam? God gave him this place to live, and he told him, said, everything here is yours. Everything here is yours, except for this one thing. And what did Adam do? Well, he did what God told him not to do. He took a bite off of a tree and God said, well, okay. You know, I, I want to love you. I want your love, but you've got, we've got to respect each other. So with that, he kicked him out. And then she told me about Jesus, and I'm going to say, what's that got to do with this part of the story? And she come up and she said, you know, uh, God sent Jesus down here to teach us how to love each other, how to love Him. And it was rather than just showing, or rather than just telling you, He showed you how to live, how it's supposed to all work. And then what we do? Mankind, they tried Jesus. They convicted Jesus. They crucified Jesus. And that was really, I mean, you know, really. And I'm saying, what's this all got to do with God's love? And I didn't understand. When he raised Jesus Christ, on that third day. He was telling us. <laughs> he was telling us. He says, what more can I do to get you to love me? I mean, really, what more? I, I, I've, I, I've given you everything that I can possibly give you. It's up to you now. So, there's where grace come into play because no matter what we've done, God has promised to forgive us. I mean, simple. <laughs> no matter what you do, if you go to God and you tell Him that you are very sorry and you ask for His forgiveness, He has promised to give it to you. He doesn't say, well, you know, what, what am I supposed to do Believe me now? Yes, he will. I got a friend 
Now, I didn't know if I was going to try to do this today or not. He just always never believed that he was good enough. He always felt like everything that he'd ever done, God was going to hold it against him. And so many people have tried to help him. So many people. And for some reason, he just won't, he won't accept the fact that God said, you're okay. Do what I ask you to do. And let's just be friends. You love me, I'll love you. So I wrote this little thing, hoping that one day he might hear it. And I've played it for him a couple of times, but I don't think it really sunk in. I changed my shirt Put a striped one on his tab Felt like a nerd At least I'm still trying Tried to shave Looked like I'd been in a fight I'm being brave Someday I'll get this right Try to fix myself and make somebody care. We tried everything, but still nobody's there. My still worth your love is that something I can't see. I keep trying, can't find a good me. That old devil. Keeps hanging round my door Keep the bubble level All that's proven to be quite a chore The things I've borrowed I will never get paid back Not enough tomorrow My soul is full but there's a thing I lack I try to fix myself And make somebody care Time I try something else, still nobody there. I still worth your love, says something I can't see. I keep trying, can't find a good me. Lord, how's this connection? Are you still listening from above? I need direction. Give me one good shove. Grace is mine. And accepting is all it takes. I should be fine. What a difference forgiveness makes. I've tried to fix myself and make somebody care. Each time I try something else, still nobody's there. Am I still worth your love? Is there something I can't see? I keep on trying, can't find a good me. If you don't mind, 
Could you help me find a good meal? Youngins, you've got such a long journey ahead of you. Take God with you. He'll help you out. All you got to do is love Him. He'll love you back. Thank you so much. Amazing Grace. we come to you this morning with our hearts looking heavenward. You've blessed me with tremendous math skills, and even I still can't count how many blessings that you've given to us. You've given us a home to take shelter in, clothes to make us feel warm, food to defeat all our hunger, and water so that we may be quenched of thirst. 
You've given us so much beauty and majesty and grace and love that we can never repay it. But as we give of our blessings back to you this morning, we know that we are not repaying a debt, but providing a means to spread more of your love to others. Please guide our church and our church leaders to use this offering to spread the news that our God is alive and well and that he's moving through us day by day. In your name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. You know the story of Adam, of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. First sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God and everything and everyone, but the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin puts crowds of people at the dead end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was death sentence. 
The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life, and those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that no one man Jesus Christ provides? Here it is in a nutshell. Just one person did it wrong and got us into this trouble with sin and death. Another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no God, no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, we're going to need a little help on this when we get to the bridge. We want everybody, the congregation, to join in with us. The choir will come in with us. You guys will come in the last couple of times, and I, I promise you, if you sing this, you'll, it'll stick in your mind. I, I just keep humming it and singing it myself all the time. But we really need you on the end of this to help us out. <coughs> Standing here in your presence, in a grace so relentless, I am one. By perfect love, wrapped within the arms of heaven, in a peace that lasts forever, sinking deep in mercy see, I'm wide awake. Drawing close, stirred by grace, and all my heart is yours. All fear removed, I breathe you in, I lean into your love. When I'm lost, you pursue me. Lift my head to see your glory, Lord of all. So beautiful. Here in you I find shelter, captivated by the splendor of your face. My secret place, I'm wide awake. Drawing close, stirred by grace, and all my heart is yours. All fear removed, I breathe you in, I lean into your love. Your love so deep is washing over me. 
your grace is all I seek. You are my everything. Jesus Christ, you are my one desire. Lord, hear my only cry to know you all my life. Your love so deep is washing over me. Your face is all I see. You are my everything. Jesus Christ, you are my one desire. Lord, hear my only cry to know you all my life. I'm wide awake. Drawing close, stirred by grace, and all my heart is yours. All fear removed, I breathe you in, I lean into your love. sounded pretty good. (laughs) That's a lot of fun. Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with Robert Louis Stevenson's fantastic story about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Thus, we have the title for today's sermon. There's a little Hyde in our Hyde. Um, (laughs) Somebody got it. Good. (laughs) 
Dr. Henry Jekyll was a, a well-respected member of his community, a, a gentleman in every respect. However, he had some secret vices which he, he kept carefully hidden from everyone else. And thus, Dr. Jekyll had a dilemma. You see, he wanted to maintain his reputation in the community, but he also wanted to be free to pursue these vices that he had that he knew could also be harmful to his reputation. And so Dr. Jekyll hatched a plan. He devised a a potion that would allow him to transform his physical appearance at will. In other words, after he drank this potion, he became a, a totally different person. And thus, he was able to move around town and practice his unsavory behavior without his, his neighbors knowing about it. During the day, he was the respectable Dr. Jekyll, a credit to his community. But at night, he became a sociopathic monster called Mr. Hyde, caring for no one and wreaking havoc wherever he went. Initially, Dr. Jekyll was able to control these transformations, but this unrestrained evil could not be kept in check for too long. And one night, in his sleep, without his intent, he was transformed into the infamous Mr. Hyde. And soon the evil monster within him began to, to dominate his life until eventually it took over completely and Dr. Jekyll disappeared. Only Mr. Hyde remained. Stevenson's point, of course, was that there is a battle going on within each and every one of us. Each of us has a little hide in our hide. And if we do not pay constant attention to our character, we too can be dominated by our lesser selves. But why? Why should this be? Well, Paul tells us that it is because we are descendants of Adam. Our Puritan forefathers were taught, through Adam's fall, we sinned all. And that was Paul's conclusion as well. Through one man, says Paul, sin came into the world. And you know the story of Adam. Terry did a great job talking about the story just a few moments ago. Adam defied the commandment of God, and the consequences of that act of rebellion were not only tragic, but they extended far beyond Adam's own life himself. And it's interesting that the first thing that the Bible says about Adam's son, Seth, is that he was made in the image and the likeness of his father. And that's the way it's been ever since. We are all created in the image and in the likeness of that first man, Adam. And so there is within each of us a spirit of rebelliousness and disobedience. We want to go our own way. We want to do our own thing without regard to any responsibilities to others or to God. And that's what we call sin. Paul would say that the primary problem in human life is sin. More than any other religion in the world, the Judeo-Christian faith is concerned with ethics and and morality. And a a part of being in a right relationship with God is to seek to do the right things in our lives. And, And deep in our hearts, we know that. That's why we feel guilty when we do something that we know is wrong. 
So how do you please the God of Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Paul? Well, you do it by obeying God's laws. God's a holy God, and God desires holiness and righteousness, and more importantly, God desires love on the part of God's children. Do the right thing, and you'll live well in this life and in the life to come. And you might be thinking, okay, that sounds pretty good, but I'm not very good at that. <laughs> you know, how can I always do the right thing? I'm, I'm only human, right? Yeah. Are you feeling that? Uh, yeah, me too. And it's true. And our humanness can, get, can be a real problem sometimes. Now, a lot of folks are prone to chuckle at the, the concept of sin these days. Uh, there's an old story that tells about a man who was visiting in a strange uh, town one day. And so he stopped at a, a telephone booth to make a call. That tells you how old this story is. Anybody here remember telephone booths? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's hard, they're hard to find these days, but there, there may be a few out there. But in this phone, book, uh, in this phone booth, he, w- he went there to make a call, and he found in the phone booth there was a sticker there on the wall that said, if you're tired of sin, read John 3.16. And then below that sticker, some wayward scribe wrote, if you're not tired of sin, call 614-3742. <laughs> And we chuckle at that, but but the truth of the matter is that the more we know about life and about people, the more aware we are of just how great a price is often paid because of the moral and the ethical weaknesses in our lives. And it just kind of is there, and it kind of wears away on us. Many years ago, a, a large fishing boat sprung a leak, almost sunk. And when the owners brought it in for repairs, they discovered that there was a hammer that was down within the hull itself and had been left in the hull of the boat years ago by the builders of the boat. And and over the years, that hammer, you know, the boat kind of sways back and forth and that hammer just kind of rocked back and forth and it would bang up against the wall of the, the boat until the, it had worn away the wood and the metal of the hull causing it to to leak, and the boat nearly sank. A similar incident took place in September of 1978 on board of a nuclear submarine. A worker accidentally dropped a 50-cent paint scraper into the torpedo launcher of the U.S. nuclear submarine Swordfish. And that jammed the loading piston in there. And since the submarine was at sea when this happened, divers worked for a week week trying to free this piston. And ultimately, the submarine had to be put in dry dock where repairs were made. And it ended up costing $171,000. Now, both of these were minor incidents. A hammer accidentally dropped into a wooden hull. A paint scraper accidentally dropped into a torpedo launcher. And yet both of these things led to seriously unanticipated complications. And you know what? Sin does that as well. A relatively small indiscretion can lead to some really serious heartache and, and pain. 
And it doesn't seem to be fair, I know. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to be fair. But we can spend a whole lifetime paying for some foolish, youthful mistake. Roy Angel gave a whimsical example of this hard truth. He told about a farm boy who was angry at his neighbor because his neighbor had hurt his feelings over something. Don't really know what it was. But but the boy was angry at him. He wanted to think of some way to get even with his farmer neighbor. And the plan that he arrived on was that early one morning he rode 20 miles away to purchase a bag of Johnson seed grass. And then after dark, he sowed his neighbor's richest bottomland with Johnson seed. Now, apparently Johnson seed grass or Johnson grass is, is nearly indestructible. And, and so the neighboring farmer fought Johnson grass for the rest of his life until the day he died. The young man had his revenge. Now, the rest of the story. In the meantime, while all, the, all this was going on, this young fellow grew up. And he fell in love with, guess who? The farmer's daughter. And they got married. And when the farmer died, he left the farm to his daughter. And so this young fellow, which went to great trouble to hurt his neighbor years before, spent the rest of his life fighting Johnson grass. <laughs> now, now, usually the penal- penalty for our sins is not that obvious. But, but still, I think the moral is valid. We can pay a price for a lifetime for some foolishness that we do in our lives. And, and sometimes some petty act of moral uh, impropriety. Now, by our very nature, we're all sinners. Yeah? We're all sinners. And we read in Psalm 24, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in this holy place? And the answer that the psalmist gives to that is those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Okay, that sounds good. But guess what? We have to confess that we don't have either one of those things. We don't have clean hands. We don't have a pure heart. And so we ask ourselves, is there any hope for us? And that's where Paul comes in and tells us that our hope is in Christ. There is a second Adam, says Paul, and that second Adam is Jesus Christ. The first Adam brought death and destruction through disobedience, but the second Adam humbled himself and submitted to the will of God and provided for us a means of salvation. Matthew gives us that uh, unforgettable picture of Satan taking Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple where Satan tempted Jesus to use his earthly fame and glory to establish his kingdom. And Satan took Jesus to the high mountain where he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and, and, and he said, all of this could be yours if you bow down before me. But I think probably the greatest temptation of all came later in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed, if it's all possible, let this cup pass from me. But he didn't, did he? And each time that Jesus was tempted, he he submitted to the will of his Father. And the impact was this. 
Just like each of us share in the consequences of Adam's sin, each of us can also share in the benefits of Christ's obedience. Do you see the parallel there? Adam brought sin. Jesus brought obedience. Adam's sin causes us to share in that, and Jesus' obedience causes us to share in that. For just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, says Paul. So also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. And that one man, of course, is Jesus. Only Christ can free us from the power of sin. And I think that's an important lesson for us. You know, personal discipline is, is helpful, but there are a lot of people who are who are very disciplined, and they're still captive to their sins. And good intentions are a good starting point, but you know that old adage, you know how it goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You see, there's a, there's a flaw in the very fabric of the human character, and only God can mend that flaw. And there's only one way that we'll ever be set free from the sin that holds us in its grip. And that is to open ourselves up to the grace and the forgiveness and the love of God. That's the only thing we can do. It's only by looking to the new Adam that we can escape the curse of the old Adam. There's an old, there was a story in Reader's Digest a while back about a man named uh, Walter Wyatt. He was making a flight from, from Nassau in Bahamas to Miami. And, and normally this only took him about an hour, but thieves had looted his uh, navigational equipment on his, his small plane. And all he had to go by was a, was a compass and a, a handheld radio. Well, dark storm clouds threatened uh, with a fierce storm there. And, and soon his compass, I guess it was the lightning or something, is compass just started gyrating there and so he he no longer could trust his instruments and so he he flew below the clouds hoping that he could catch sight of something that would tell him where he was he put out a mayday call and a nearby search plane answered and answered his call and led him to a an emergency landing strip that was only about six miles away but before he could get there his engine went out it was out of fuel and there was nothing left to do but to glide the plane down into the water. He survived the crash, but the plane sank very quickly. And so he was just kind of bobbing there in the water with a leaky life vest on. And suddenly he felt a hard bump against his body. It was a shark. Wyatt kicked the shark away, and somehow he stayed afloat for the next ten hours. When morning came, another shark brushed up against him and then he saw two more headed his way and again he was able to kick the sharks away and but he was wondering how much longer could he survive like this and then at this crucial moment he heard the sound of a of an aircraft headed his way and the pilot radioed a, a cutter that was only 12 minutes away and he said get moving because there's sharks targeting this guy and soon a ladder was dropped over the side of that cutter and Walter Wyatt climbed, over, uh, climbed out of the water and onto the ship. And you know what he did? He fell down, down on his knees and he kissed the deck. <laughs> he was so overjoyed because he'd been saved. Paul is telling us that 
our situation is a lot like Walter Wyatt's situation in this regard. There is nothing that any of us can do on our own to free us, to free ourselves from the power of sin at work in our lives. Positive thinking won't do it. Personal discipline won't do it. Our only hope is the grace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are set free from the power of sin only when we accept God's gift of grace, which comes to us through Jesus. I know that this may seem to be a bit theological for you, and, and it is. Paul is a theologian, and some of his words and concepts are hard to grab onto. And it, this may seem to be kind of theological, and maybe you're more practically oriented than this, but I'm here to tell you that this is very relevant to our lives. And here's why. It's because a lot of people are racked with guilt. Some of you may be racked with guilt. Some of you may be entangled by destructive habits and, and, and addictions. And some of us are endangering our health and our relationships with our families. And, and we've tried the self-help programs and we've read those magazine testimonials from people that have wrestled with the same demons that we're wrestling with. And, but we haven't been able to create a strategy to cope with these self-destructive forces that have us in their grip. And folks, I'm here to tell you that our only hope is to turn to Christ. Only His grace will give us what we need to make a new start. Maybe a simple story will help us understand our situation there. A French writer named Henri Barbusse was in a, a trench full of wounded men back during World War I. And while he was in that trench, he overheard a conversation. One man was dying, and he knew it. He knew he was dying. He only had a few minutes to live, but he turned to another man, a friend there, and he said, Listen, Dominic, you've led a very bad life. You are wanted by police everywhere, but there are no convictions against me. My name is clear. So here, take my wallet. Take my papers, take my identity, take my good name, my life, and quickly hand me your papers so that I can carry all of your crimes away with me in death. Did you catch that? This wounded man wanted his friend, who had made a lot of mistakes along the way, to be able to make a new start in his life. And so he gave him his identity, his papers, his wallet, his good name. And could there be any better example of what Christ wants to do for us? All we have to do is to turn to him and accept his amazing grace. And that brings us to the final way that we are set free from the power of sin. And that is to humble ourselves and follow the example of Christ. And seek to live our lives by His grace. Now this does not mean that we will arrive at a state of perfection. I know most of you here. And you know what? You know me. 
And I think we can all profess that there's not a perfect person in this room. And we will never be there, not while we're here on this earth. We will never fully escape the nature of Adam. But we do seek by the grace of God to be conformed to the image of the new Adam, Jesus Christ. The writer of that old hymn stated this principle very well. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. There it is, folks. It's the simplest formula imaginable. That's the secret to being set free from the power of sin. Trust and obey. Look to Jesus. And by his power, live as fully as you possibly can according to the will of God. Two natures within each of us. The first Adam, the second Adam, Jesus Christ. So I guess you could say that within us there's both dust and divinity. The terrible tragedy of our lives is our inability to save ourselves from our lesser nature. But the good news is this. There is one who transcended the, limit, the limits of humanity. And he's made it possible for us to be free from the power of sin. Dr. Jekyll meets Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus can set, your, set you free from those demons that torment you. Just look to Jesus. Trust him. Obey him. And you will be saved. Amen. Let's sing, trust and obey. Isn't it amazing how those things work out? Whose idea was that anyway? (laughs) Let's sing, trust and obey. uh, Because the message of that is what we want to get across today. Just trust and obey.
Happy are those whose sins are covered, whose transgressions are forgiven. For great is the free gift of grace, and great is the love that surround those who trust in the Lord. Receive then this gift of grace and walk in the way of love. Amen. 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 Oh. 